whistleblower report exposing lies deceptions and all that has assaulted our way of life we must take back our freedom and live as god designed in a free america that honors our constitution and our creator our experts in medicine, ministry, law, military, environment, and education empower us to grow together as a nation. For such a time as this, the Whistleblower Report offers truth and solutions. Welcome to the Whistleblower Report. This is Dr. Lee for America with the Legal Report and some new, very troubling information coming from the UK regarding a new form of mRNA vaccine that can be released as a chemical spray from military aircraft. And when I was talking with attorney Todd Callender about this, he responded, yes, they planned this in 2001. And so I want all of you to listen to the warnings that attorney Todd Callender, as an international attorney with an international perspective and practicing international disability rights law, and having worked in a variety of countries under, that were under communist control where he was involved in legal work in those settings, he has a unique perspective on all of this. So Todd, I'd like for you to take it away and describe what you have known about this. First of all, this is the UK government news release on Sky Covion a COVID-19 vaccine authorized by the Medical Health Regulatory Authority that actually can be put in the form of a chemical spray and released from aircraft into the atmosphere. So if you would talk with us about what you have known and documented over the last 20 plus years, I think it would really help people understand what we're dealing with this. Sure. Yeah, it shouldn't come as a surprise. I, I think I've sent to you, and I'll say it again if you don't have it. There's a 1974 paper written by Henry Kissinger that was actually classified by our government, and it was to our government and other governments. And it was about population concerns that the world was going to become overpopulated in such a fashion that there would be you know, starvation and, and riots and all kinds of other calamities that he envisioned. Um, and that he urged, you know, countries to do drastic measures in terms of what they called family planning. I think that's also known as abortions um, and, and access to health care. <laughs> that's sterility. <laughs> that's the whole point of this is that 
this is a, a global um, concern that the various countries have had. They had a meeting about this in 1994 in Cairo called the Cairo Population Accords. And that's where all the countries came together based on the Kissinger memo. It has since been declassified, I think, in 1989. Um, and, and it's full of flowery language like UN documents are um, that hide the truth of what they're really talking about because it's unpleasant to talk about uh, depopulating the planet to, you know, killing off people. But that's effectively what they agreed. In 1994, they made the decision that there shouldn't be more than 500 million people on this planet by 2030. Lo and behold, we get something called the Agenda for the 21st Century, also known as Agenda 21. Um, the Sustainable Development Goals, as they're now called for Agenda 2030, is that deadline. That they do not, they being the owners of this planet, the, the international communities, they also refer to themselves, um, want to have this net zero, um, carbon neutral, meaning not more than 500 million people on this planet by 2030. So that's what this is all really about, doctor. And, and they have utilized various organs of every, um, every agency and every government to, to plan and execute on this. And the one document you make reference to um, is, a, is a NASA Langley research paper. This was done uh, between NASA, you know, the people that launch things into space, and Langley, otherwise known as the CIA. There's a fellow by the name of Dennis Bushnell, uh, who's the chief scientist who actually wrote this uh, paper out. And it's called Future Strategic Issues, uh, sorry, Future Strategic Issues slash Future Warfare circa 2025. So this comes from 2021. And um, there's a few notable things that I would you know, like to point out to people. Number two, I'm sorry, on the second page, number one of which is that on the second page, you will see that they actually refer to a new species of people that this, um, this study makes reference to. They say the bots, the Borgs, and humans welcome you to 2025 AD. Well, that's what we've come to understand this whole COVID nightmare was about. At the end of the day, the lipid nanoparticles were autonomous, self-powered. Those are bots, uh, otherwise called nanobots. Borg is the, the name that our government attached to the, the new species of people that these shots created. And humans, meaning those of us that didn't get the shots, and how do we juxtapose all that together? So in this document, I just found it very interesting and notable that as we look at their version and their vision of warfare in 2025, it specifically envisions um, aerosolized uh, particles, in fact, lipid nanoparticles. And I think it's on page 44, in fact, it states microdust weaponry, mechanical analog to bio micron sized mechanical dust, which is distributed as an aerosol inhaled into the lungs. Dust mechanically bores into lung tissue and executes, emphasis added, executes various pathological missions. And Dr. Um, given your background, I am absolutely certain that you can better describe what a pathological mission may be. The paper goes on to talk about aerosolization of these things. And my, my concern is that the smart dust is the same thing as the lipid nanoparticles, which um, we've talked about in, in previous times. And the, um, the application is, is told to us right here. They're, they're telling us what they're going to do in the future. This is 2001. Here we are now in uh, 2023, 2025 is just around the corner. And we have um, other papers that, that come to fruition. 
So for instance, one of the other papers I sent to you was something published in PubMed. And in that document, you will see that it's titled Safety, Tolerability, and Immunogen Immunogenicity of an Aerosolized Adenovirus Type 5 Vector Based COVID-19 Vaccine. So the, the article that you referenced in, in the UK paper said, okay, we're, we didn't get the uptake on vaccination rates that we wanted with the COVID nonsense. My word's not theirs. Um, so let's, let's force people to have these shots. And, and there's actually quite a bit of this um, study that goes back all the way to the 2001 uh, NASA Langley research paper, whereby they've looked at mechanisms um, by which these little nanobots, the, the, the NASA paper referenced, contain payloads. In today's world, those are known as lipid nanoparticles, and they cover them in fat um, so that your body won't reject them. And what's really fascinating is they include something called the AD5 adenovirus, um, sorry, the AD5 adjuvant. And that's actually referenced in this paper in particular because the AD5 uh, adjuvant includes HIV proteins, we've come to find. So it, your body, when it interacts with these lipid nanoparticles, with the smart dust, as they call it, has the, a robust means of rejecting it. We know because they've been putting smart dust and lipid nanoparticles in our food and water for many years, but it didn't achieve the same result that they wanted. They had to figure out how to mainline those into our, our bodies. And so they came up with uh, hydrogel stuff that they're putting in all the shots now, including insulin, not just the COVID shots. But the AD5 is a critical part of it because it disarms your immune system. So they shoot this stuff into you or somehow get the, the uh, lipid nanoparticles to you with the AD5, um, I, I guess, covering. It's, it's the adjuvant to this thing. And next thing you know, you're showing up HIV positive. We know that there were two other HIV proteins included in the shots. And it seems to me that now we're talking about aerosolizing you know, these lipid nanoparticles, that this is being um, quantified. This is being referenced by the quote unquote authorities, by the scientific mind, the peer reviewed papers as being a critical component because they reference AD5 in it. It's not the only paper, by the way, there are actually quite a few of them. Um, and I would encourage people to, to just use the search terms. If you look up um, nanoparticles or lipid nanoparticles, and uh, aerosolized vaccine. Um, there, there is a plethora of them. There are peer-reviewed articles. There's a second one that I sent to you from Northeastern Global News. This one um, comes from trying to figure out what date this was, circa 2000, if memory serves. In any event, the, the title of it is Inhalable COVID-19 Vaccine. Could expand the reach of COVID-19 vaccines around the world. So this isn't something that's happening in a vacuum. This is actually a plan, uh, a plan that they intend to execute on sooner rather than later. And it won't just be COVID-19 vaccines, by the way. If you look at the, the laundry list of shots that the WHO wants everybody to have um, and the CDC with them, uh, I think there's one paper that actually references 20,000 shots. How you get that into a human over a lifetime, I don't know. But it's not just one or two. You know, they want to vaccinate everybody all the time. And so doing, shooting somebody with a syringe 20,000 times is not exactly a, a plan. It's not going to happen. But if you did it this way, if you simply added this to the chemicals that they're spraying out of the back of airplanes, military aircraft or passenger, I don't know that it matters. This is a way by which you would be able to, quote unquote, vaccinate 
people 20,000 times in their lifetime. So, uh, Doctor, I've rambled on here for a minute. Did you have any questions before I move on? No, I thought I think your presentation was actually extraordinarily clear and cogent, and I didn't want to interrupt you, but I do want to make the point that you're exactly right. Aerosolizing any drug and delivering it directly to the lung tissue is the fastest way to, number one, disseminate it throughout the brain and body, and number two, if it contains irritating ingredients, then it causes inflammation and damage to the body's ability to oxygenate our, our blood and our tissues. So using aerosolized drug delivery, whether it's as a military weapon on the battlefield with nerve gases that were aerosolized, or whether it is an inhalable vaccine or whether it's a therapeutic agent doing so as an aerosol directly to the lung tissue is one of the fastest ways and the most pervasive ways to get it throughout the body and cause either the most benefit or the most damage. That's really important. Actually, it segues really well into one of the other papers that I'd sent along to you. It, um, it comes from News Medical Life Sciences. It's a publication. Uh, looks like I mean, it's online, but I imagine they have a magazine as well. In any event, they, they titled this one, Study Demonstrates Minimally Invasive Aerosolized Vaccine Candidate to Combat SARS-CoV-2, um, which, by the way, that pathogen was man-made, number one, and number two, um, it was patented. So, you know, the, the, they're creating the disease, they're creating the pathogenicity for which they seek to solve it. So this isn't good for us is what I'm saying. And, and it's interesting this article points out exactly what you did. It says macro, macrophages play a critical or crucial role in inducing both innate and adaptive immunity in the human body. Their major roles include capacity of antigen pres presentation to T helper cells, which induce a cascade of responses including inflammatory cytokine and mutant adaptive immune responses. So it's exactly as you described, we're breathing these things in and then we're having a reaction to it, including that AD5 HIV protein amongst others. And so it's, it's actually their theories that this somehow protects us. But what you're saying is this actually the, the, the quote unquote vaccine itself is hazardous, that it's causing this immune response. Well, absolutely, if it contains lipid nanoparticles, because as you and I've been screaming to try and warn people from the get-go, the lipid nanoparticle coating on the mRNA vaccines, whether it's injected or inhaled, that contains polyethylene glycol with the same chemical in antifreeze that most many people are already allergic to, and it is an inflammatory toxic chemical. Ah. See, I think that's exactly it. If we went back to page 44 of the NASA Langley research paper, it now makes sense in light of what it is that you just said. The, the last sentence, dust mechanically bores into lung tissue and executes various pathological missions. Yeah. I assume this is what they're talking about as a pathological mission. It's, it's designed to kill people. I, th I think you're right. And that's well, they what we... 
Holy I was going to say, dog, I'm sorry. They, they refer to it. Yes, exactly. They refer to it as a wholly new class of weaponry, which, quote unquote, which is legal in their words. I mean, that's that's chilling. That's extraordinarily frightening to me that somehow they classify poisoning people from the air as being legal. I don't think I agree that. Well, I would. I, I'm not a lawyer, but I would think it violates the international treaty against use of um, biological weapons. That, that is because true. that's what yeah, it is. Absolutely. Well, it strikes me that it would have to also be non-discriminatory. If you're spraying aerosolized pathogens, because that's what they're called, um, that, that's affecting everybody who breathes it, does it not? Yes. So, I mean, that by itself is a crime against humanity. It's, it's a genocide. It's a, uh, a weapon of mass destruction, actually, it, is its it, legal classification. It, actually, it absolutely is. And from a medical standpoint, you just said it from the legal standpoint. That's why I like doing it together. Because when it kills, maims, damages indiscriminately, then that is, by definition a weapon of mass destruction. But wait, there's more, Doc, because if you go to page 54 of this very same document, you'll find that our government, vis-a-vis NASA, right, the the innocuous space people, it says they already have a good candidate back in 2001. It says an existing biocalmative. I'm not sure what they mean by that. Calmative, V-E-E, that's Victor Echo Echo, stands for Venezuelan equine encephalitis. They say that it's an ideal um, in-cap biological weapon agent. I, I don't know what in-cap stands for. It says that it's, it was already weaponized by the U.S. and Russia in the 50s and 60s. It's easily transmitted via aerosol. Go figure. Highly infectious. Yeah. yeah. Um, one to five day incubation. Already tested on, uh, on humans in something we call Operation White Coat. Oh, and, and better yet, there's no treatment available. So th- this is something they've already done. They're, they're bragging about what they've already done here. Well, I will post that article and these, and these references will be there for people who want to read about it. But uh, Venezuelan equine encephalitis can be highly toxic. And if they've weaponized it further, then, and you said by Russia and the U.S., yeah, they said USSR and um, and the United States. This is page fifty four of that document. Yeah, um, then then that may well be something that they may be considering using for the next pandemic release. Yeah, I, I think that's true. But you know, you've said something historically in our conversations that I think is, is right. That there is a um, sociopathic part of this whole thing that the the people who seek to destroy us must be you know, mentally um, malignant. Let's put it that way, because you've actually demonstrated it's not that they're insane. In fact, they're very sane. They're just malignant. They're, they're trying to kill people because they're sociopathic. So when you, when you look at it in that in that context, you know, why wouldn't they brag about it? And, and number one, when they are bragging about it, what what makes it possible for them not to poison themselves when they're poisoning everybody else? Well, when they are doing something so indiscriminate as spraying it into the atmosphere, it's very difficult to conceptualize how they could protect themselves unless they were living 
in an underground bunker with extraordinarily sophisticated air filters. Yeah. Because or, to filter out a virus, it, it takes extraordinarily, I mean, look at the complexity that goes into biosafety hazard level four laboratories for people to be protected from the just incredibly small viral particles that uh, of inf- and infectious organisms that they're working with. You know, I, there, there is that, but it also strikes me that, you know, there was a reason why the, the media and the government tried so very hard to stop people from discovering ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine or even chloroquine itself. That, right. um, you know, they didn't want people to understand there was an efficacious way to treat this. And, and I'm wondering how much of that is true in light of other conversations we've, we've had vis-a-vis Marburg, right? The next pandemic maybe is a Marburg bug. There's good reason to believe that. And I think you had conversations with Dr. Ruddy um, who discovered that, you know, maybe one way to treat this or prevent it is an antihistamine. So, I well, mean, I'm that's, that's right. <laughs> there were several antihistamines that Dr. Ruddy had discovered in a number of scientific papers related to Ebola and Marburg. And then we also found information in some of the outbreaks in Africa that they had used successfully hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, chlorine dioxide, albendazole, fenbendazole. Well, fenbendazole in the U.S. is a veterinary product, and then we have albendazole and mebendazole that are FDA-approved for human use. So there actually are older medications and the biocidal agent chlorine dioxide that have been used successfully for Marburg and Ebola outbreaks in Africa. Now, though yes. we have not had a lot of Marburg and Ebola outbreaks, they, are, they tend to be very rare and they tend to be fairly isolated and they tend to burn out quickly because they have such a high death rate. You can't spread a virus easily if it's killing 60% of the people it infects because it's, it's going to burn out. Right. The people die, so there's nobody to transmit it. I mean, that's just common sense. But we don't have a lot of data because there haven't been a lot of outbreaks. But if it is being weaponized and spread in novel ways, other than the usual bodily fluids, con- contact with bodily fluids, then we may be uh, talking about an entirely different ballgame. And yes, that is much more ominous. Yeah, I think so, too, doctor. And, um, you know, going back to NASA and how they call this smart dust, I think that was the you know, first generation lipid nanoparticles. And, and these things I look at as being little bombers, because my understanding from conversations with you and other learned doctors or scientists you've brought, that the, the messenger RNA and the adenovirus DNA is fragile by itself. And so the, one of the problems they've had aerosolizing these things in the past is that when it you know, was rained down from airplanes, for example, very little of it actually survived the trip. But now that they can stick it inside these little bombers that go into your lungs and then release the payloads remotely or later, 
um, we're in a whole new ball game, aren't we? That it, it, it doesn't have to be something communicable by the air anymore. Now they could take that Marburg that is transmitted by bodily fluids and actually stick it into these little bombers. Do well, I have that right? Exactly. And the other aspect of that is when you coat the viral particles, mRNA or, or viruses, or any microorganism in a lipid nanoparticle coating, then that delivers it inside the cell membrane because the lipid or fatty coating is what gets the gets uh. it delivered through this, the lipid layer of the cell membrane and delivers it across the blood-brain barrier causing damage to the brain and delivers it across the placental barrier causing damage to the developing baby. So this technology makes a highly effective delivery system to penetrate the body's normal defense mechanisms. Yeah. I, well, and I, I think that makes perfect sense, too, in light of what we talked about in, of the AD5. I've spent quite a bit of time looking into that um, because it, it's one of those problems that we talked about. How do you slip the, the, the nanoparticle past the body's defense system? It's their own immune response. And the answer is you disarm the immune response. So now you're really doing damage because, um, number one, you, you're, you're introducing this pathogen, as you indicated. It creates inflammation and like other things. Number two, they're removing the ability of your body to fight it off. And we actually saw this in some of the patents that we dug up in relation to this that the, the plan uh, of COVID and these subsequent injections, these vaccinations as they call them, they're, <laughs> they're really you know, just pathogenic missions as, as the Langley paper states, um, is, is to replace your killer T cells, those ones that regulate cancer, that kill cancer cells, for example. They're gonna replace them with synthetic B cells. It's almost like they're installing computer software. It's like, Microsoft created Windows, but they also created the viruses that infected so aftermarket income. I think we're in the same scenario. I think tragically, you're right. And it, it's, it's quite chilling that the evil, diabolical, Machiavellian minds that have created this are unleashing it on all of humanity. And, and the public is unsuspecting, except those who are taking the time to listen to our warnings and our efforts to alert people to what some of the plans are. Let's take a break and we'll come back for the second half. This is Dr. Lee for America with the Whistleblower Report on America Out Loud Talk Radio, Cloud Hub, Rumble, and our own website for on instant demand access to the Whistleblower Report at www.whistleblowerreports.org. We'll be right back with Attorney Todd Callender to talk more about some of the ominous things that our government has. The family of Juliana Parker would sincerely like to thank the Truth for Health Foundation Without their help and support, we never could have gotten our mother out of the hospital and into our home so that we could be with her for the last week of her life. They gave us the strength, 
the courage, the knowledge, the list of things that we needed to do in order to prepare for that. And they were there at a critical moment when it came to moving her out. Welcome back to the second half of the Whistleblower Report. This is Dr. Lee for America with attorney Todd Callender. And we're discussing some of the military and governmental capability through NASA and other government agencies to weaponize the delivery of mRNA vaccines as aerosolized chemical sprays. There was a recent news report about this in the UK, and Todd has exposed documents going back in U.S. government history from NASA and the CIA at Langley to 2001, talking about how these types of aerosolized vaccines have been weaponized for delivery into the atmosphere. So, Todd, what are some of your additional concerns about the execution of this plan and how it ties in with, I'm going to give you another observation. Over the last 30 years, which is about 10 years after I began in medicine, I began seeing changes in the behavioral characteristics throughout our population. As use of statins, SSRIs, street drugs, marijuana, and even now the opioid crisis, as all of these drugs have been more widely available throughout the population, some are prescription, some are street drugs or recreational illicit drugs. But the point is they all act to decrease motivation, decrease drive, and decrease one's awareness of one's environment. The SSRIs are well known for creating an amotivational, akinetic depression. Amotivational means people just don't have any drive or motivation anymore when they've been taking SSRIs like Prozac was the classic first one, but Lexapro, Celexa, uh, Paxil, Prozac, and then the SNRIs. All of these medicines rob people of their motivation and drive. They make them calmer is the positive word, but I would say apathetic as a more accurate description. And then you have the whole... um, aspect of what's called akinetic depression, which means a form of depression that's associated with minimal movement and activity. Well, when you really look at the people and the behavior patterns around us, we've watched people lose their fighting spirit. Compare the generation who fought in Vietnam and the generation in the military now who willingly complied with the COVID shot and the population that went like sheep to slaughter for the COVID shot and into the hospitals and onto remdesivir and ventilators. It's like the American fighting spirit has been 
medicated out of us. Yeah. And so Boy, that, that sets the stage for what we're now seeing with the lack of resistance to the COVID shots and all the other vaccines they're pushing. Yeah, I, you know, it's funny you say that. I'm haunted by a video that I saw many years ago. In fact, it was somewhere around 2004. It was leaked out. It was um, a bunch of general officers in a planning mission or in a, in a briefing of some kind where a member of the vaccine manufacturers community was presenting to them that they had developed an aerosolized vaccine called Funvax, short for fundamental vaccination. And the mission um, was to, to cause apathy, that they wanted to sever the, the link between people and God, that they had figured out how to introduce by aerosolized pathogen a means by which they could calm or, or disconnect the part of the brain that people associated with spirituality, that they could effectively turn it off. And they actually had quite a few slides in their study and what it was they were presenting showing MRIs of brain activity before and after people had been exposed to this. And the mission statement in that was to, um, to show this around or spray it around Afghanistan to try and, and um, stop the Afghanis from putting up a fight. So that was a, a very interesting um, thing to see. And since that point in time, um, we've seen exactly what you described, uh, introduction of other things into the food supply, the medical supply. By the, by the way, this is new. It goes back a long time. Doc, when, for instance, did you um, understand that they were introducing fluoride into the food and water? I mean, isn't that also a depressant? <laughs> well, actually, fluoride may be less so than some of the other things that have been added to food since the 70s in all of the processing. But fluoride, I was actually part of an experiment during childhood when they came around to the elementary schools in trailers and had dentists painting fluoride on our teeth. And I was actually a child who underwent that experiment during elementary school. Now, it ha has happened that I've had great teeth my whole life as a result, and I've had no cavities. <laughs> but um, Was it worth it? I, well, I don't see that it did any damage. I seem to have been a fairly productive and successful person and seem to have fairly good brain power. So I, I don't... Um, Certainly, I don't think that had any negative effects and had benefits, but whether putting fluoride in drinking water on an ongoing basis has long-term effects, I think that's, there's a lot of controversy about it, and I don't personally have a good answer. Well, I don't think you have to, because what it shows is motive and methodology. We, we really don't have to question whether or not they would dare to do this, because they've already done it. Right. They already infected a bunch of people. I think it was the Tuskegee experiments. They, they have aerosolized other pathogens historically. They effectively admitted to doing it to the entire Afghan population in 2004. In the 2001 paper, they tell us that's what they're going to do. And now we find peer-reviewed scientific papers saying, what a great idea. We'll just stick these pathogens into a lipid nanoparticle. We'll rain it down on everybody. I, I don't understand the disconnect 
between people um, hearing this and not believing it other than but for what it is that you actually described. That people have been poisoned and dumbed down so long um, with, I think, as you said, it was the SSRIs, um, any variety of other marijuana, for sure. Look at the fentanyl pouring across the border. They're all depressants. And how many people are on, you know, um, psychedelic or psychoactive drugs? I mean, I can't tell you. It's got to be a third of the people I know they're taking some kind of antidepressant. And it's, oh, so it's I think, made I think it's apathetic. higher than that. I think it's higher than that. Prozac. So why would we why would we doubt it? Go ahead. Sorry, Prozac. Well, Prozac and the class of SSRIs are the most widely prescribed medicines in the entire United wow. States. They wow. have been for. Um, a large, uh, that has escalated. They first came out in 1988 and they have skyrocketed in use. In fact, Dr. Peter Bregan wrote a book, Prozac Nation. No, I'm sorry. Talking Back to Prozac was his book talking about the long-term damage of the SSRIs. And I've certainly seen that in patients of mine who've been on it a long time. It's why I try to get people off of the the psychotropic drugs. Although, I, I have a good background in psychopharmacology and I know how to use them. I have used them less and less as time has gone on because most people don't really need all of this load of antidepressants and psychotropic medicines if you restore their endocrine balance the way it's God designed it. And if you get them, get nutritional def- deficiencies identified and get them into a more appropriate health and resilience approach to treatment of things that cause depression, but are actually medical causes. That's really where I've spent my career is getting people off of many of the psychotropics that are damaging long-term and getting them properly diagnosed as to the underlying endocrine, metabolic, Uh. inflammatory causes of what is dysregulating brain pathways? Not everything that dysregulates the brain and results in behavioral symptoms, which are psychological, we call them. Not all of that is actually psychological in origin. Much of it, most of it is medical, endocrine, metabolic, and inflammatory. Yes. I've, I've heard you say that before. And I, I know that that's true. Um, and, and one of the things that we've discovered uh, as a result of the pandemic, the attack upon humanity using this man-made pathogen, I don't know if it's a virus or not, but the pathogen they call SARS-CoV-2 um, is that it, it destroys the gut flora. There's your metabolic and it unbalances people's metabolism generally they're not just the metabolic but the endocrine system as you describe it i think that includes uh mitochondrial disease and and i think that i'm not a a scientist or a doctor like you but my understanding is that affects also people's energy and ability to to uh respond or react or or even be energized well it it is absolutely an impact if for example Men who are hypogonadal or low testosterone because they've been on statin therapy and the cardiologists are pushing high doses to get cholesterol to rock bottom, loss of testosterone decreases the production of nitric oxide, which is a vasodilator, which gets blood flow to the cells and organs and helps to get oxygen into the mitochondria. So 
low testosterone itself in men is going to have an effect on diminishing cellular oxygenation and therefore someone's energy. Same is true for estradiol sure. for the same reasons in women. Sure. And, and that affects sex drive as much as anything, doesn't it? Oh, it affects so. all of the drive behaviors, sex drive, your drive to be productive, your drive to be active, all of the drives and motivated behaviors are diminished in low estrogen for women, low testosterone for men. All so while we've, we've identified this, we now know what it is. We know the next attack is coming, um, by the way, and I, you and I have talked at length of why we think it's Marburg. What is it that we can do, number one, to repair our endocrinological endocrinological systems, if that's how you say it, or metabolisms. How do we prepare ourselves for this? Does, um, does the help, if it's Marburg, uh, antihistamines, Benadryl, are these things? You're, you're the doc. I, I love and know you, and I rely upon your advice. So please share <laughs> well, with us your knowledge. Oh, all of those things are, are helpful. And we have, we're doing um, a program every Friday on your new Cloud Hub channel, Back's Choice. Ask Dr. Vliet on hormones, health, and resilience, going into what you can do to clean up your diet and get, get your endocrine system and your whole body back in better health. We also have a lot of strategies in our vaccine injury treatment guide targeting exactly these things you and I've just been talking about. But I also, we've got to talk about the fact that they're putting the mRNA vaccines in livestock and they've been doing it in in pigs since 2018. Now they're spraying spinach um, crops with mRNA vaccines and extending yes. it to other plant crops. And then genetically modified. they are genetically modifying our, our food supply. So you have to be even more careful about what you are putting in your body on in terms of the food choices. And we're, in fact, we're doing a program this Friday on your, your Cloud Hub Facts Choice channel. Uh, so what are some of the excitotoxins in foods that damage your endocrine system for men and women? Uh, before we close today, Todd, I wanted to ask you very quickly, there was a news release just today about Bethany Christian Church recruiting refugee yes. resettlement specialists. Talk to us about that. It's all part of the plan to bring us down and have government payments going to churches, hospitals, doctors, and other corporations in order to undermine our sovereignty and the health of this country, the people of this country. Well, beautiful. I'm looking forward to hearing the rest of it. The rest of the story, as you say, and I'm here to help in any way that I can, doctor. Well, this you had some information on this, Christian. Sorry, church. I did. I, I did, and what I wanted to say is that the um, the churches are now being funded to help with the refugee settlement programs, as we've come to find that there is indications that they had been paid to promote COVID. The churches were getting money to, I'm sorry, to promote the shots. Now we're seeing actual advertisements uh, for churches to get themselves involved in, in refugee settlement. The board. Borders are open. 
Um, and now you've got the churches that are in a public private partnership with the government uh, to, to help these people enter our country. They are assisting in the demise of our country. So of course our constitution says that there's a separation of church and state. Um, where did that, you know, where did that go? Was it because our uh, constitution was suspended with the national emergency declaration in 2020? And I suspect so, that all bets are off, that we're, we're, we remain inside of military medical martial law, that um, we're living in a public health dictatorship and now that includes paying churches uh, to destroy our country. At least that's the way I take it. And I don't know how to stop this other than make people aware of it, that you are the recipient of propaganda of your church, paid propaganda. Uh, if you're being lobbied to, number one, take a COVID shot, or number two, welcome refugees into this country. It's not about refugees. This is about mass migration designed to kill sovereignty, to destroy borders and destroy countries, all in furtherance of a one world government. Well, and what else they're doing with these, um, they really aren't refugees, they are migrants, and they yes. are most, the majority are military age male. And what we just had a report from New York this morning, you and I were in the group that got that report, that they actually yeah. are relocating military age male migrants, illegal immigrants, into small communities in upstate New York, not women yes, and children, right. military age males, and the government is putting them up in hotels at taxpayer expense. So when you look at the, at the fact that we're seeing this and churches are being co-opted into working as agents of the government, and then we're looking at the, what is the capability of aerosolized vaccines mRNA shots, essentially, if you avoid the shot, you may be getting it in the air you breathe or the food you eat. So the all, you eat. all the way around, we, we have to wake people up to heed the warnings, to do what you can to clean up your food sources and stand against the tyranny that is being unleashed on all of us. Yeah, amongst other things. What you and I have been talking about and lobbying other people is to opt out of the system. Do not participate. Do not um, fall for their rope-a-dope scheme. We've got to get people to understand and embrace. Your government isn't here to help you. They are here to kill you because that's what they're doing. That's what they've been doing, and they're not going to stop. So you've got to become independent, self-sufficient, and not reliant upon them because they will use that dependency against you in every way. Exactly right. Well, listen, Todd, I know you are on a tight schedule today. I thank you for joining us. And are, are there closing words that you would like to share with our audience before yeah, you have I think to you, I, I do. I do. Thank you. What you said just a minute ago is the most important part of all of it is that it's within each and every one of us to act ourselves, that we cannot depend on others. Many people are waiting for you know, a savior to ride in and take over our government, fix everything for them. It's not going to happen. If you and your family want to survive this, it is wholly dependent upon you making those choices and expending the effort to save yourself, meaning you know, don't eat these things uh, that are genetically modified. They have to be labeled. Um, disagree, you know, that you're not going to take any insulin that has hydrogel in it. 
demand uh, you know goods and services from people that see your way and only give them business. Opt out of Target, opt out of Walmart or whoever else it is that's forcing things on you that are against your good conscience. It's every little one of these, every little act is yours. And lastly, I would say, please make a relationship with your local law enforcement, your local military or National Guard, because when the order comes from Tedros, and it will be, that's Tedros Adnan, the, the World Health Organization director, there will be, they've already promised us a next pandemic, it's coming. It will be people in uniform that are forced to, uh, to, to aid and abet that crime. So what we want to do is build those relationships so that uh, the people in uniform can understand the paradigm and refuse an unlawful order because that's what it is. Their oath is to you, the citizens, to their country, not to the World Health Organization. And we need people to understand that. So it is, if anything, I just want people to take responsibility for themselves and their families and do not think that there's something, somebody coming to save you. There isn't. Well, and you have many resources now on CloudHub with programs where people can learn about what's really happening, the truth about what's happening, and where people can learn the tools for better health and resiliency to survive all that's coming at us. And you, you also have many legal resources that you have shared with us on our website under the medical and legal help. And you and I are working to continue to develop many new resources in all of these areas. So I thank you for that. And as CloudHub becomes more and more the community to speak with clout and speak freely, and you are able to simultaneously translate into 76 languages and 92 dialects, yeah. as I recall. Yes. That's going to help us all reach more people with the truth and give them hope and solutions against the lies and deceptions. So Todd, it's been an honor to work with you. I thank you so much for everything you're doing. And we'll let you say goodbye to get to your next important appointment. <laughs> My next one, yep. Wonderful, doctor. Thank you for having me as always. Count me in. I'm, I'm in this fight with you tied at the hip. And stay and tuned. God bless you. <laughs> Check out CloudHub and stay tuned for our next press conference. I very much appreciate Todd Callender's perspective as an international attorney with long knowledge and experience in these international regulatory agreements that have been increasingly dominating all that we've seen happen and unfold under COVID. But going back, as you learned in the program today, to Henry Kissinger's classified report in December 1974 that was later unclassified, that was really the beginning of this push towards reducing the Earth's population based on the opinions of elite politicians, bureaucrats, and financiers who arbitrarily decided that there were too many people on the earth in spite of the fact that the population growth has not been what was ominously forecast in the 1970s. 
Some of you listening may not remember the book by Paul Ehrlich that came out around the same time called The Population Bomb. And that was warning dire consequences as the Earth's population continued to explode. And in fact, it was the basis for many of the subsequent efforts for population control that Todd mentioned in this program today with the Egypt Population Accords in 1994 and continuing into the development of vaccines for contraception, vaccines that would interfere with fertility like the mRNA shots that have just been unleashed on the world with COVID. In fact, we're already seeing a devastating and quite alarming drop in live births across all of the Western highly vaccinated countries, Scandinavia, Europe, US, Australia, and Canada are the prime examples. Drops in live births of anywhere from 10 to 20% is catastrophic. And this was all by design, as you have heard Dr. Yeadon and I present on the Whistleblower Report vaccine segments almost every week. And now, in addition to the population decline of the Western populations of people, we are seeing a mass migration of bringing third world illegal immigrants into Western countries, Australia, Canada, the United States, Europe, and Scandinavia. This has been going on since the Obama administration, but it has escalated on steroids under the Biden administration. And in addition to that, the U.S. government, as you heard from our discussion, is now turning churches into agents of the state, of the federal government. They've become one with the state in these public-private partnerships with the government paying for the hiring of resettlement experts and coordinators to resettle the illegal immigrants. And it's not just about tax-exempt status anymore. They're actually getting paid by the government to violate our country's immigration laws and in violation of our Constitution's separation clause. So it's important for all of you listening to understand that your churches are now propaganda tools. And it is critically important that you stand against this Luciferian deception. And if your church is participating in this, if you are a conscientious Bible-believing Christian, you need to find a new church home that is biblically based and serving God, not the government. (laughs) 